Shut up and sit down. The current state of politics is unsustainable uh, politically, economically. You know, you still have distrust there. We all come from very different places. Man, we don't want the government to do a damn thing. We deserve better. People have to have the information in front of them. It is about supporting, platforming, and, and assisting the people who are out here actually doing the fight. There you go. Like, just promote people who are doing something. Volunteer to work with people who you like. and Take an issue that's important to you and do something. You are part of that declaration against tyranny. This conversation gives me a little more hope for this speech. The one, the only. Fight for liberty. This is the cherry on top. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Fight for Liberty Live. Today, we have a great show for you planned. But first, as always, we're going to get into our sponsors. First up, uh, Blood of Tyrants Wine. If you are looking for a, it's a nice uh, Merlot distributed by activists that you know and love, uh, bloodoftyrants.wine is the place to go. Use promo code F4L to get $5 off your first order. Again, then we've got uh, Crafton Business Services. Crafton is dedicated to helping entrepreneurs start, grow, and maintain their businesses by providing a wide variety of products and services to make your business more efficient, manageable, and profitable. Crafton understands how frustrating getting your business off the ground can cost. So for under $1,000, you can get the corporate filing, registered agent, logo, business cards, a marketing strategy, and an accounting consultation to get you started off on the right foot. And that's just $9.99 plus state theft. And if you're looking for just a little bit more than that, they do have an advanced package that's $24.99, again, plus state theft. And that also gets you a custom website with web hosting, even more marketing material, more time with our marketing team, five times the bookkeeping. And uh, you get your first box of business cards for free. Uh, so go on over to crafton.us slash start to get your business up and running now. And if you use promo code F4L, you'll get a free Crafton t-shirt and support the show. So again, that's crafton.us uh, slash start, promo code F4L. But without further ado, I am super excited to introduce to you the CEO of the Costa Rica's call center, Mr. Richard Blank. Um, so I always like to start off with kind of a, uh, a testimonial question of, of kind of how you got, you got into the biz. Uh, a lot of times it's more political related when I have people on, but so for you, I'm, I'm genuinely curious when, when did you figure out that you, uh, were good at talking to people and good at convincing people of things? Yeah. 
I love that. Yeah, I um I I man, that was a really good answer. I like the, you know, I when I made my first friend, that that was a, a good way to bring it around cuz as were, you know, well, there's one other person in this room that's anywhere within the same age as me, so might as well talk most of my childhood. I was definitely, you know, one of those really shy kids. Um, I'm an extrovert, but I'm a shy extrovert, so I don't like get the peopling that I feel like I need. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like I started to come into my own as far as like actually being able to convince people of things or, or, or speak to people in a way that, that people like to be spoken to until I was at least in my late teens, early twenties. Mm-hmm. game going and sure kids were awkward and then you had the smooth kid and everyone in between but if you're sincere and you're a straight shooter and you don't have to exaggerate and lie more than just the average kid mm -hmm. people will like you they'll like it just for who you are mm -hmm. and it's especially the kid that splits the candy bar and hands it to you now that's your best friend oh yeah so i always sometimes like the quiet kids because they were the ones they're observing because whatever they contributed was always the greatest joke that night I mean, the <laughs> one liner makes you a legend and so you, you don't need to overstuff something in order to make an impression oh yeah my dad is very much that person uh i have i have never been anger and uh basically the same when it comes to humor as well it's like you know everybody will be joking around and he'll just sit there quietly and then just drop the one liner that makes everyone laugh for 10 minutes uh it's a it's a handy trade yeah uh, so you mentioned, uh, you know, like mediums or, you know, authors that you've kind of looked up to and tried to emulate in your life. You mentioned the topic of speaking. So let's discuss that. I gravitated towards the classics. I, I was really inspired by Basil Rathbone in the 30s and 40s when he did old time radio and was also Sherlock Holmes. I'm not British and I can't speak Queen's English. 
but I can borrow strategic and diplomatic vocabulary and then adjust it to a Philadelphia accent. Hmm. And there was also another actor, Jeremy Brett, that played Sherlock Holmes as well in the 80s. And so you can tell the certain genres that I like. I enjoyed murder, mystery, and mayhem from time to time. the rhetoric. And everyone loved the face, man. Templeton Peck from the A-Team. Hmm. Dark Benedict, who was also Starbuck and, and Battlestar Galactica. These were glib speakers. They were poised. They had timing, inflection. And they were known for that specific gift, besides their physical appearance, they were dapper, they dressed. That's the outer appearance. I believe that when you sight unseen, you listen to the phonetics, that's the purest form. It's almost like a bird singing. And so these individuals, in a sense, would manipulate the dance of speech. Not saying that they're lying, but they knew the choice words and when to use it or allowing someone through open-ended questions to give them four or five tele-signs, which they could grab on to use as an anchor and then develop some sort of relationship there. Is it authentic? For the moment it is. Could it be a confidence move? It could be. It decides if you want to move forward with other sort of commitments, but they have mastered the introduction. Mm -hmm. They have mastered the, the, the comfort levels and the connections that people have. And it's usually through either greed or envy or vanity. I, I like when people have sincerity because it's true and it lasts longer. It's a, David, it's a stronger foundation for a long-term type of relationship compared to just small talk and just trying to have a crazy night on a Saturday. And so maybe it's just a little more depth, my friend, if you make yourself a little vulnerable and you're willing to share with people. Mm -hmm. You you mentioned that, and this, this is not a question that I had prepared at all, but I have to ask now that you you say what you did. Uh, do you ever, uh, have, have you ever heard of uh, main character syndrome? A main character syndrome? It's like, it's the, the idea that like you feel like you're the main character in, in like a book or a movie or something like that. And that like all the other people around you are kind of like, you know, supporting characters and that, you know, you're, you're destined to do this like great thing. Um, it's not necessarily a negative thing at all. Uh, and, you know, I'm somebody that like, when I feel like I'm having that like, quote unquote, main character syndrome thing is because I just, I have absolutely no patience for small talk. I have no patience for the conversations of like, I went to this restaurant yesterday and it was good. Like <laughs> that kind of, especially with as much, uh, you know, most of my life has been, uh, you know, I worked political campaigns for the last four years and then before I got back into business. And so, you know, it's been 70, 80 hour weeks of, you know, the either like these huge things happening in, the, hey, I tried out this new curry place and I'm like, cool. Uh, but I've, I've always had to kind of like dial that down. But I feel like what you're saying is different than that. And I, I'm just kind of like making that distinction in my head where it's not just about uh, whether it's important to you, it's whether or not it's important to them and actually just like important. It's not small talk, it's actually like depth of conversation. And I feel like talking about something super serious in the news is re also rarely that. Um, it's not deep to be like, oh, did you hear so such and such happened? Uh, you know, and 
I feel like most of the time you're getting one of those two types of shallow conversations. It's either the happy one or the the like super serious one, but not a lot of people take that step beyond to like, you know, how are you actually doing today? Is there something that I could, I could do to make your day a little bit better? Uh, you know, somebody died in your family recently. How's that going? Like, are you okay there? And like actually getting into a deep conversation like that. People don't want to do that anymore. I always believe that the truest people ask follow-up questions. They just don't say, oh, something's going on. Stop doing other things. Drop anything else and, and roll with the current conversation. But in regards to your main character syndrome, I think we all have it. My good friend, we all are living our beautiful lives. You look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. You see things outside of your eyes. You have all your senses. You, you love and you live. That is your life. Unless you, or as Pink Floyd says, just that other brick in the wall. Hmm. And almost as bad as the movie Mommy Dearest. <laughs> we have a domineering parent or someone that's holding money, guilt, or anything over you. And, but I, I, I believe that small talk, you can choose any sort of conversation. And depending on if you're willing to share your your taste. So I, I like to tell stories and I like to maybe ask somebody, can you tell me a coming of age moment? If I did it both in one day, <laughs> I think those are sweet and innocent beginning stories where you can share a little bit with you in a comfort zone. I think it's really when you have imagination. Oh, I know about, I love cats too. Oh, I was six years old too. Oh, yeah, I had someone picking on me on the playground, too. Tell me about Susie. My guy's name was Tony. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you, can make, you can make any names up. And so um, that's how you connect. And you, and you do it at a 12-year-old level because there is no... Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that you can't play a game of Pac-Man with somebody. And like, for an example, you're talking about your sister calling you while you're doing your job and snapping you out of your your trance, your circle, your spider's web, for her to share, she's only got so much time. And this is her, this is it for her. Like, you know, the, the family feud, this is one, two, and three. And I thank them for it because it's your sister and you love her to death. You'll take the call. What, what, what else you want to talk about? The war for another five? Come on, man, you won't do that. And it's the complete polar opposite of what you were working on seven minutes ago. And so it would be wonderful for you you an excellent lesson when you're in the midst of war fighting happy sad or zigzag times you may be asked to readjusting those sort of balances for yourself so at least you're able to capture the now mm -hmm. i think it's a great thing and then if you do ask a follow-up question and you do show attentive listening and interest she'll thank you for it <laughs> say you're the greatest listener and the best brother ever and I've realized that some of the best deals that are made are just by asking you a question and holding on tight. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of fun that way. Um, using someone's name is important. Mm -hmm. And since you're traveling the world and you have thousands upon thousands of fans, mm -hmm. just make sure that you ask them through military alphabet how to spell it and also how to pronounce it because vowels are different. Mm -hmm. And as much as people think it's embarrassing, it's actually quite the compliment because everyone knows they have a beauty mark. Might as well talk about it. 
That is the most incredible 15 letter last name I've ever heard in my entire life. Please tell me how I can sing it so I can remember it. And they'll love you for it. And then you start making nicknames up. And then you wonder why you're the one introducing him to everybody at the party that night because you're the only one that took the time to learn the song. Mm -hmm. Those are the simple soft skills, David, that won't hang you in there. It's, these aren't lies. These are just sincere interests in people and just taking your time by going with certain levels with them. Mm -hmm. yeah, the name one is something, you know, I've obviously heard so many times uh, through, you know, every like sales seminar and, you know, recruitment, uh, you know, training. And I do not use it enough. I that's it's one of those things that every time I hear it again, I'm like, you know, I really I really let that one slack again. I don't actually, you know, address people by their name that often. And I'm I'm not sure. Um, most of the time, I'll like go a period of time without like really uh, I'll like have a couple weeks off where I'm just like staying home doing nothing and not really talking to anybody. And then I'll go back out into the world back the same way I was and regress. David, these are checkpoints. These are attention span grabbers. Everyone's got 30 seconds to two minutes and they zone out. Mm -hmm. You can't name drop David, 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 David five times in a row. I usually do that through transitional sentences or tie downs and confirmations. Mm -hmm. But in every sentence, there's usually a personal pronoun like a your or an R. It's the cousin of the name drop. They'll still get your attention. Vision slides, just don't speak monotone. Have certain trigger words. Pause before names and numbers. And if I'm going to say you are, these are certain things that will grab attention, reset, slice it, and you checkpoint it, and then you move on. You wait for positive or negative reinforcement. Maybe someone has a question. I love questions. And then we just start stacking them from horizontal to vertical, and we start asking open-ended questions. And so... These are normal conversations. People are just out of practice mm -hmm. or they avoid eye contact or able to catch that gem yeah. that can really anchor with you. And then we become best friends. And it all it does is just reduce, reduces defense levels, David. So you naturally feel comfortable approaching somebody and it's non-threatening if that makes any sort of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, did you, do I feel comfortable? What's, what's the... Um, you know, that it's a really good question. Cause I've, I've consistently put myself in positions where I have to do it anyway. Uh, and I end up being not so great at it. Uh, you know, I've, I, my first sales job was street sales. Um, and I was so like socially awkward at the time that, um, you know, I was, I pretty much never, I never worked sober. Uh, I would like weed. I was, I would just smoke weed like consistently throughout my entire shift. Um, and th that was about the only thing that would kind of loosen me up enough to actually like have a fun conversation and kind of like be out there. Um, uh, but even then I always like bothering them or, or, or interrupting something, you know, if you're walking down the sidewalk and I interrupt you for 10 minutes, clearly you were going somewhere and now you're going to be 10 minutes late. And, I realized after doing the job for a while that that's not, I do that, you know, it's, uh, it's I would have started with a compliment. Mm. I would have definitely looked at somebody and it's obvious if it's jewelry, their hair, shoes, jacket, clothes, just let them know they got really nice shoes. 
And if you know they got alligator skin or something or they really have nice nails or something, they'll stop and say, thank you. Go very cool. Listen, I just want to know if you love puppies too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's something you could at least, instead of asking them for a straight question, just give them a free compliment to make their day. And a sincere compliment. They'll know that. Yeah, we used to use... um... We used to use these like really corny icebreakers, uh, actually. And my favorite one is uh, you'd stop somebody and ask them uh, where you like, excuse me, do you know where I can find the nearest organically grown smile? Question that I love puppies. Um, usually from the man, that was well, we're role playing like right seven, now. You've got a professional telemarketer ago, on the confidence to approach somebody, which most people don't. Your shoulders are back. Your chest was out. Your chin was up. Right. You represented yourself in the best light mm-hmm. am i not mistaken yeah and so i think if you did that a thousand times even if you quit the job after a week the fact that you have that raw street canvassing experience that willie Loman knows and death of a salesman every real salesperson has done the canvassing on the street knocking on a door mm-hmm. you know ripping up their shoes and so i respect you for that and anybody knows that that's that's division one too, my brother. That's not easy. <laughs> That's not easy to do at all. So imagine the character building that you built doing that just for that period of time. It gave you that sort of momentum, David, mm-hmm. to get you to where you are today. It's almost paying it forward in a sense. Yeah, it definitely, um, it is It is paid off in dividends because as very shortly after getting into politics i ended up running like either door knocking or or petitioning drives and you know it's the same thing for the most part and uh you know i had that experience to pull from and i started off still in new york city so i it i i did not like the job i did not like my boss um but i i pushed through for a while and i made honestly some of the most money i've ever made uh because i did end up being actually decent at it towards the end uh structured training that they did there um you know the not just the onboarding but they did a thing where every more of the people under them's sales goals for the day and where they were going to go and and you know all of the the structured stuff and everyone that was like either entry level or second rung was still back in just the big room and you had to get up and give like you know like the impulse factors mm-hmm. or um you know smile eye contact enthusiasm or or you know why you should use the person's name over and over again you know like that they remembered the best and get up in front of 15 people and teach them that sales tactic and and then we would break out and do role play until the the supervisors got out of the conference room it was insane how like just detailed they like ground another job come anywhere as close to that level of training i can see that you sparked up when you're talking about it listen (laughs) to you now maybe use some of those sales techniques when you're mingling with people at happy hour Mm -hmm. oh yeah (laughs) smile eye contact enthusiasm is I, I had like three other sales professionals on and we were just kind of doing like, you know, water cooler talks, you know, worst bosses, fun, most fun sales, uh, kind of, kind of conversation, just shooting the shit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I really break me out. I still have that kind of, you know, social anxiety, a little bit of, of awkwardness here and there, but, um, the last couple of years it's been significantly better. 
um, actually somebody, uh, Spike Cohen, the, our, our vice presidential candidate last, last cycle, um, kind of, kind of taught me that you can be both professional and like respectable while also being a little bit of a kind of weird things from your professional friends and your career. And you didn't have to be that reserved on phone calls and, and stuff like that. And you could be a little bit quirky and, and have kind of that fun atmosphere that I've always kind of had amongst my friends, but hidden from my colleagues because I felt like, you know, I didn't want to just get labeled that like weirdo stoner, whatever, you know, I was always like just trying to be, honestly, I was doing that whole like fake it to make it. If I, if I wore the nicest suit and I was, you know, sat up the straightest, then maybe eventually I would be, you know, at the top of the, at the top of the company. But I, I realized eventually, uh, luckily in my early twenties and not like in my forties, like some other people I know. Uh, but I've, I eventually learned that you can, you can do both. And the, the fake thing actually gets you nowhere and just being yourself and being that a little bit quirky and that a little bit weird will end up paying off. It's being unique and you're true to your own taste. You, you like your music, you like your food and you like your pastimes, mm -hmm. which a lot of us do, and it shouldn't be judged. But I, you got to ask yourself, David, who do you really want to be? It's not the suit. It's not being a CEO and an owner of a company. I'm just your friend, Richard. <laughs> you just got me on, a, on an evening when I'm finishing up shop here, but just a man. Mm -hmm. And I like who I am to the pressures of Ivy League or medical school or any sort of career that wouldn't have been a good fit for me. And by opening doors and showing good faith by that structure and discipline of learning a second language only showed people initially where I was coming from yeah. and my intentions. And then by moving outside the United States, August of 2000, I left when I was 27. I just wanted to see if I could shed my skin one last time anymore. And I made some really big decisions and I stood by them. And you're talking about fighting for liberty. A lot of the liberty is up here. You could be in a mansion sitting on a pile of money, but you could be miserable. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to find the perfect balance of the people in my life, the woman that I married, the career, my fulfillment, my earnings potential, my pace. You have to be selfish sometimes. And there are certain decisions, David, that you make that you know will benefit you, but may concern others or may, given the luxury of time, you should take your time when explaining it with people. You might not agree with certain other opinions, but the last thing, the last thing that I ever want to do is burn bridges or ruin long-term relationships because of, as you would say, let's say politics mm -hmm. or any sort of thoughts. Because I, I think that all in all, at the end of the day, all of us just want to be happy and, and have a roof on our heads and warm bed at night and a, and a meal. Yeah. And if you can be happy for somebody else's success that's earned through merit, then me today, you tomorrow. Because it all comes around. And the greatest thing is when you're celebrating and you look around and you see your good friend clapping for you or hugging you and celebrating with you because they 
they love you and they're proud of you. And then you'll have your day and then your other buddy's day. And, and that's how those bonds happen of people with memories because they can point around the room and talk about coming of age moments, mm -hmm. David. So those are the sort of things that I'm always looking for. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love what you're saying, Richard. Uh, the, yeah, it's funny. And I your actually, name dropped me. Thank mm, you, my brother. I, uh, <laughs> my it's funny. I normally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk about this if my guest was somebody from within the party at all. Cause I stay away from the drama, but I'm going to bring it up cause it's, it's relevant here. Um, Please. cause you're, you're talking about the, um, the, the fact that, you know, everybody just kind of you know, just, just, when, and so often they're within the, the Liberty movement or just kind of the political sphere in general in, in the U S uh, or, but like within each sphere, there is very much this, uh, this tragedy of the commons for attention somehow, as if there's actually a lack of, of like social media attention to be had, uh, where, where we attack people that are doing things, they're doing it better than you because they have a bigger following and but they're doing it not quite the way that you would do it and so you're mad about it and you know you wish that they would do it a little bit more how you would do it and it's like well if the way you did it would work then you your way would work better and you're just not in the right situation but i i see way too much tearing down of other people just because they aren't you know exactly the the minute version of a liberty warrior that they want to be and that's one of the things i try to do with this show is break people's perception of what fighting for liberty really is because i mean i do have politicians and activists on the show but it's you know uh it's two two a month uh or you know straight up just entrepreneurship or or you know uh, financial independence or uh, you know, I had a I had a psychologist on a couple weeks ago who was talking about like overcoming uh, like sexual trauma from your past and just being able to like live a, a freer life free from that like hurt and, and pain. You know, there's so many different avenues to what you can do to make the world a freer place and a better place and to help people live the lives that they want to live so that they can be very little patience for it. Um, which is one of the reasons why I've mostly walked away from politics because it's just it's too much of that and I'd rather I'd rather put my energy into nonprofits and business where I know that the people around me are going to be excited to see my success. I hear you. People I don't know. I, I just believe that if somebody is capable of making their own home great, it's a good start. Raising your kids well, good start. And if they can not convince, but live along with others, that's a good thing. Because at the end of the day, we all want the United States to be strong and safe and powerful and happy. And I'm a, an expat, but I'm an exceptional country here. And I have two companies, so you're paying two taxes, but you, know, you feed families and you give jobs and you break misconceptions and you tell stories and you explain genres and 
And it's nice. I might have things in common with people where I was born, my fidelity, the fact I had family serving in the military before and, and things like that. I, I, I still have my own thoughts in regards to me living outside the United States. Think about that. I, it's not that I don't love being there. So I live here in Costa Rica. Still doesn't mean that I don't feel as strong. And, and so I can't be judged on that, that I don't know, or, you know, as you say, someone can have an opinion on that. Why aren't I giving 150 jobs in Philadelphia? Why did I do it here in Costa Rica? There are probably people on your show that might not like that. And am I willing to accept that? Yes, because I think all fair, that Christ, I don't know, it's a bingo ball game. Mm -hmm. Who knows where everything goes? What I know is whoever lands the account and can maintain balances in my industry now, which used to be very much brick and mortar on site. Now it's pretty much virtual and work from home. I have a fraction of the people work energy. We lost the walking the rows and the breaking the bread and the game room being packed with them playing the pinball machines. And I miss that stuff. Yeah. I miss we don't have the sort of camaraderie and energy and high fives and having lunch together you're you're missing out on that human experience i i'm very fortunate to have had the technology to survive covid we took a hit we didn't get knocked out but i think we lost a lot we lost we really lost the pure ethical environment for people to grow with one another especially english second language mm -hmm. where we can really expand their vocabulary and they can really build that muscle memory for that such intense concentration periods of when they're translating. So you think they're, you think a job's tough on the phone, imagine doing it in a second language. But then again, if you can handle it in a second language, now you got two swords, is people that are able to grow and come out of their shells and, and show dedicated practice, David. Obviously, learning a second language, they practice outside of school, mm -hmm. like the gym and, and, and music and art. But when I see people after coaching sessions, we do QA and go over soft skills that then the next day, mm -hmm. that's dedicated practice. Those are the Rocky moves. That's how Karate Kid can beat Johnny. And that's the important thing that your audience realizes the amount of work that is done off camera. Even prior to this podcast, the movies of the beginning and the end, where's the middle middle? That, that, that's where the hunk is. That, that's where it really happens. Mm -hmm. That's where the grind is. You know, that's where the boxers really feel you out and know how to win on the, on the later round. Yeah. Well, Richard, you said earlier that you, uh, you know, were studying the speakers that that uh, I believe you said that that effect and you are a great student because you were by far one of the most captivating guests I've ever had on the show. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, my man. Uh, and uh, man, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, but yeah, I we're just talking about these incredible speakers that just capture you and they use vocabulary. Do you remember the, do you remember the uh, movie Eminem's eight mile? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I, rap battles, and I like that kind of stuff. It's not physical. Well, it was a little bit in the middle in the movie, but Eminem did so well at the end that his rhetoric won back. 
or they're so astute that they use the perfect word at the perfect time, you, you're great. I mean, a way to describe how you feel that you continuously study vocabulary that people can understand, not trying to use big SAT words that really, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. But as I say, there, there are many colors in a crayon box. You just don't have to say crayon. Come on, man, there's some real unique names in there. <laughs> you know, cherry red. I mean, come on, give me a break. Right. And so I, I believe image streaming and utilizing imagination, print and saying crayon, I am now a painting and giving you 32 different amazing names and colors. And that's just the names and colors. Those 32 can mix with the others. It's like mathematics, 32 times 31 times 30. How many combinations do we have? Thousands. Mm -hmm. And that's where all the world's a stage. And, and that's when you don't become bored. And that's when you become excited about constantly. So you might become more with it by looking up instead of down on your phone when you're in public. Mm -hmm. And yeah. those are the sort yeah i uh i i'm a big fan of that one i usually because i'm i'm really bad at the cell and or like leave it in the car because uh, if it's on me i'll check it but if it uh you know i can just i can just go for a walk and oops forgot my there's stuff to see and and, and here and uh yeah i'm a i'm a big fan of breaking free of the the cell phone addiction thing because that's a a huge plague um but I actually I remembered where I was what I was going to say and you mentioned eight mile which is actually a nutty from from like either whether it's Rocky or or Karate Kid you know those those movies that you mentioned where because uh, real life doesn't happen that fast but when you watch Rocky you're like oh he went from a nothing to that in a two hour movie and uh, I know personally when I was younger especially like when I started working out there was there was a good chunk of time there where I was like. Well, this isn't this isn't happening fast enough. This is like excellence. It's at, uh, that's on the screen. To actually, to your point, most of it's behind the scenes. Uh, you know, it's it's not something that you can brag about. That like, oh, I'm working out. It's something that you can brag about after a few years of work. But just the act of of being healthy and working out isn't something that you can gloat about or or you know uh, be kind of in front uh back to that kind of main character syndrome thing you know it's not as epic as they make it look in rocky and it's actually kind of uh painful and painstaking and and rough and that's something that i learned uh thankfully not means that it's not just you know the show as you mentioned but i actually do have to write some questions from time to time beforehand <laughs> just remember the structure and the discipline you could be motivated yeah do the work for a week that's great you were talking about those months where you don't see any sort of result in the gym at four in the morning, take those eggs, those raw eggs, and then just start running up and down Kelly drive. Tyson even said he'd get up at four 30 cause his competition would get up at five. Mm -hmm. I loved getting up early when I first started this beating traffic. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I, I like that extra hour that I had cause I didn't feel rushed. And as you said, you could hear the birds chirping. Well, that's great, my man. You decompressed. You allowed yourself to find the stimulation in other areas. I can do certain things that don't need the phone, but can recharge batteries. But that gym is so important. 
I mean, you can let off steam. You can give yourself more confidence. There's an old expression, guys, more plates, more dates. Come on, guys, get back in the gym. And um, But I like it for, for Richard Focus. I've, I've been working out since I was 17. And so it, it's good for me. I, I like physiologically to feel strong. Yeah, I it is is very much something that I have neglected off and on throughout my life. Uh, and I've I've often been in a place where my life has kept me active enough where I don't physically need to exercise like a set time like i don't have to do the at least you know i'm i'm burning more calories than i'm consuming and you know like i i did like sound setup for a long time and so you know i'm i'm lifting heavy things up and down and whatever health wise for the most part i really was uh but mental health wise i was missing out on just that building for the future not not doing something that needs to be done right now doing something that i won't see results from instantaneously got back into a, a fairly structured um you know exercise regimen it's nothing crazy uh but it's you know 20 minutes a day of you know i make a whole other level uh of just you know knowing that you're building something uh of yourself and you're not just kind of letting the world happen to you david i want to walk when i'm 70 and 80 mm -hmm. i still want to play on par three golf courses <laughs> um but I, I i want to i'm 50 years old now so i still want to enjoy the later part of my life so it's really maintaining what i currently have which thankfully is an athletic body for my entire life but it's not easy. I mean, it's six days a week. You're doing 20 minutes, which is cool. I'm putting in about a good two hours a day. You're doing about a half an hour of cardio, 45 minutes to an hour of the weights. We're looking for at least 15 minutes, 20 minutes of work the core. And then I like to hit a bag. Mm. And so it's, it's a good day. I mean, if I have the time and I take my creatine, I can hypothetically, you're doing a lot of hiking, could just be a lot of leg strength real thin up top that's great and all but what happens if you got to pull yourself up and so you want to make yourself symmetrical yeah. so your body once again feels comfortable as well because that could disrupt certain things too oh yeah i've i very much got my body out of line um like early college years i was doing a lot of a lot of core with almost zero back you know i would I wasn't exercising a lot. So when I would find the time and I would just be like, oh, I should exercise. It would just be like push-ups and sit-ups. And that was it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, other things in life would, would make me engage my core. Almost at all for like a year and a half, I felt like. And uh, No reverse flies, huh? It's, it's convenient. It's annoying to go to the gym on a rainy day or early in the morning or some dude's hogging the fly machine. You don't want to go there. So mm -hmm. I've decided to work out at home. Got my universal, my bench, my free weights, and a couple other machines. It's is it a complete workout? No, not even close to what I was used to. But if you have free weight knowledge, you can pretty much do any sort of part of your body in that workout. Now, naturally, the universal is great for the pulleys mm -hmm. and certain sort of things there. But just with two dumbbells and a flat bench that can go to an incline, I mean, you can pretty much do a full workout. And you have the luxury of home. And so, um, and it's not that expensive, you know, to buy certain things and to start from there. 
if I had to make a suggestion for a personal trainer, oh, she was incredible. Kiana Tom, she had a show called Flex Appeal back in the day. Hmm. So we're not, you know, I got a female trainer. And so she's teaching you to do the exercises that I'm capable of doing and learning what to do to isolate and to get the maximum of definition. And so, yes, Kiana, I'm giving you a plug. Hmm. <laughs> you know, if any of your audience wants to start working out, this is a definite uh, great instructional series to be able to show you how to work out everything. I love it. And, you know, we were, you were talking earlier about, um, you know, follow-up questions and kind of the flow of conversation. And to be honest, my, my absolute favorite type of show is the one where I only actually ask one question that I had written down, which so far this has been one of them. (laughs) Um, uh, I asked the intro question and everything else has been follow-up from what you've said. Um, And, I, I honestly like I I think that those those types of conversations of of just kind of the uh, where where you can tell the difference. because you mentioned uh, meditation earlier, is that is that something that you also participate in? Can't do it. Mm-hmm. I have OCD or whatever else you want to call me, but I can't sit and concentrate like that. I can practice breathing, but the eye, it, that's just takes so much practice. And so I know my strengths, the strengths of the gym and as a, you know, washing cars and doing other athletic activities, but, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, I wasn't raised like that. Northeast Philly things are moving so fast. Um, yeah. I guess my meditation is like what you do. My friend is sit by water or hear birds or have some other sort of stimuli to get me into that moment in birds and, and the sun in your face and really capturing where you are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it just moves so fast. Mm-hmm. I, I think the greatest thing somebody can do is look at themselves in the mirror. I mean, you could give a thousand and one suggestions for people, but I like to ask people, when was the last time you winked at yourself in the mirror, gave yourself a high five? Hmm. A lot of people can't give me that answer. I try to do it at least once a day, (laughs) you know, at least I'm proud of myself. Make your bed in the morning, respect yourself. Because if you can't respect yourself, be very difficult to think about others and to grow a business. I, I needed to have faith in others and to delegate and to expand mm-hmm. and and that's a nice thing. And so be very selective, as I say, with your time and your thoughts. Think about it like this. Imagine if you and I just bumped into each other and you were saying small talk has to be about, you know, death or politics or the weather. Look where we have gone tonight. We zigzagged everywhere. Oh, yeah. And this is, if you wanna consider this small talk, fine. We had what, 10, five minute conversations on things. And so that's great. This is a prime example, my friend, of small talk turns into big talk. Mm-hmm. And anything could be wherever you want it to be, as long as you want to do it. Yeah, man, I love that. Uh, yeah, I I personally also struggle with the the meditation thing. I I think you're right. It's a it's an I've I've started working towards it a little bit more uh but i've kind of like i've I've met in the middle between uh the the meditation and the exercise i still do exercise but i've also started doing yoga a little bit more uh which cool. is like you know at least 
at least I'm doing something. I can feel my muscles doing doing something, and I have to I have to concentrate on the yoga at least a little bit. Uh, so it's kind of to your point of like the outside stimuli kind of pushing me into more of a meditative state. Um, I was I just got back from a ten day festival. Uh, it was kind of pseudo political festival, but there was a a four twenty friendly yoga every morning that I I made sure wow. to attend, and it was. Uh, it was great. And, you know, the the pe- kind of peer pressure almost mentality of like making sure that I actually got there every morning, because like if I saw somebody later, they'd be like, oh, where were you? And, you know, just that little bit of pressure to, you know, OK, I'm going to actually do this every day because uh, I've the one excuse that I've used for a long time is that my life is just so crazy. I can't plan out things like this. You know, my phone is ringing all over the place and I'm putting out fires and I'm doing all of this stuff. I can't just like set aside an hour to go work out because what if somebody needs me and there's to really think about it. And it's, it's interesting because I, as I've met more people that are more successful in their lives and, and in areas that I want to be successful and, you know, people that I admire and, you know, especially like with the show, I've gotten to meet uh, some some really fantastic people and and almost all of them have a busier life than I do, have a more quote unquote important life for, you know, every life is important. But, you know, from from that standpoint of, you know, how big their fires are that they're putting out and almost all of them have a better scheduled day than I do and, and have these regimented things and they actually go to the gym and they go for a morning walk and they, they have the, they have their reading time at night and they have a time where they sit down with their wife and talk about their day. It's, it's complete BS to, to say that, you know, I'm too busy to really take control of my life. Um, David, you could be on a phone call while on a Stairmaster. You can talk to somebody when you're, when you're walking, you can have somebody when you're, when you're, doing an exercise, but also I need to respect you, my man. I would feel terrible if I took you away from a dinner with your significant other, or I woke you up in the middle of the night. Dear, there are certain code red times, but there's, I need to respect your boundaries and you need to respect yourself. I'm not saying it in a bad way. I'm telling you as a black and white straight shooter friend, you're a great guy, David, and you're dying to have that hour for yourself. You mentioned it on your podcast today. I appreciate the deflection of the fact that find the time for reading, dinner, and the gym. Mm-hmm. You're damn right they do. Because if they do not give themselves that time, they burn out. So you're not, you're you're probably at an 80%. But if you gave yourself the David me time, brother, now you're at a hundred percent. I don't need 24 seven, David, give me 16 hour, David, give me 10 hour, David. Cause I'd like to know that David is doing something else. So when I speak to David again, as his client and we get the business done, I go, Hey, Richie, guess what? What would you do, David? I just did this the other day. My man, no way. And so, you know, we're going to talk about that for business. And then I'm going to probably teach you're depriving not only yourself, but the people that know you for sharing and learning about your experiences and about your full life. Yeah. You're doing plenty. What more do you want to do? <laughs> and let me put you this way. Work, work, work. Great. I'd rather play, play, play. Nickname me recess. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Yeah. I'm doing this so I don't have to do this. Mm. I'm doing this so I can retire young. 
and yeah. I can spend time with myself, my own time. So as much as I support you, I can't agree with you on that one. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the next time we speak, you will tell me that amongst your chaos day, you're capable of smelling a rose or two. And if you do, I think me and your entire audience will be exceptionally proud of you. And you'll have more funny things to say on your podcast. True that about kind of this, this struggle where I think a lot of people just about my age and younger, I was, I was kind of like one of the older kids to, to really have this, but you know, I had, I had the internet in my bedroom at 14 or 15 on an iPod and where I was able to be on Facebook messenger and be texting my friends until God knows what hour of the night. And you just mentioned of like, I'm busy. I'm, I'm not answering things right now. It's bedtime for me now. It's, you know, we, uh, the, the younger millennials and especially the like Gen Zers, I feel like just expect that their phone is on them. Why aren't they answering my text? And, you know, I, I do, I like to think that I do a good job of not having that mentality towards others, but I still kind of project it on, onto them and in a reverse a, a lot of times that I think a lot of people society goes and you know something might happen on Twitter or Facebook or you know somebody's texting and you need to know and you need to be there and you need to and we pretend that it's you know being in the moment because we have to know what's going on but in reality we end up never actually being in the moment we never put our phone down or, or and we definitely never turn it off you know, we've, we've phones used to turn off on a regular basis. Now they just lock so that we can, yeah. we can consistently always be there. And, um, it's, it's definitely like, it's a, it's a pandemic of, of this kind of mentality. And I, like I said, I'm trying to do my part to break out of it. And, you know, like I said, it's something that I've talked about on the show a couple of times to try to like, you know, give awareness to this idea that, you know, you do get to have your own time and you do get to clock out from society for a second and just be with yourself. And I know you need to check out and spend some time with yourself and get over those demons. Sure. Uh, Sorry. That was a, that was a whole, that was a whole rant uh, all the way. I, I'm just imagining what these people would have been like 50 years ago without the phone. What would have they have done? But best thing that you could possibly do is just go outside <laughs> and get out of your house and just, as you say, fresh air. How about this? Maybe then it kind of has a domino effect. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you spent an hour folding clothes compared to sitting an hour listening to someone talking about their day, you, you might become resentful. And then you in your mind says, you know what? I could have used that hour to do something different. Or if you really need to be in, try to be productive while on a phone call. Mm -hmm. So you can kill two birds with one stone. Phone calls, enough. It's, it's the kind of thing where, as I say, it's so important to love yourself and to find more of your tastes mm -hmm. and to see what excites you to use their hands. And growing up, we had craft classes. Mm -hmm. Why did that have to stop? Right. And so maybe if you buy yourself some clay, which is my favorite, I like molding and doing sculpting. People like to paint it. Mm -hmm. And 
people like that. I, I see people get into sewing and knitting. And if you need to have that technology, at least try to mix it with something where if you're watching or listening, you're still active doing something because mm -hmm. then you could at least still feel productive compared to just feel like you're just zoning out. And that is, that is some extremely solid advice. Um, I, yeah, if, if y'all are, if y'all are watching and kind of curious of how to, how to start the process, that's, that's really solid advice. Um, I, I used to have this ritual. I, I, I lived in fairly deep Brooklyn and worked in Jersey city for about six months back in, I think 2018, 2019, and for something to happen and for me to be very, very late for work. And so I would always, just to to mi minimize the risks, I would leave early, and most of the time nothing bad would actually happen, and I would end up getting to work early. And I worked a block from the river, like in Jersey City, like right, right next to Exchange Place Pier, and so I would always get to Jersey usually about a half an hour to 45 minutes before I had to work. And I would usually get breakfast in Brooklyn on my way. And it would be about half done by the time I got there. And I would just go out onto the reason my phone came out was to skip a song because um, I would usually be listening to music at the time, too. But I would go into work. I mean, part of it was obviously because I would go into work stoned, but I would go into work with just the absolute best mentality to the day and and i was i was one of the best versions of myself at that job and a lot of the pieces of the job had to do with that but i also think that a lot of that had to do with just a morning ritual of relaxing calming down i made it to work on time i don't have to worry about the train I'm gonna start calling me until i get to work no like none of the brokers are open um i wasn't even doing direct consumer sales i was i was doing uh, like broker relations. So I was only working with other people in my industry. So, you know, I know for a fact my phone isn't going to start ringing. And it was just one of the most like freeing experiences that I, I wish other industries that I've worked in since then uh, afforded me that opportunity as easily as that one did because it, it kind of just plopped into my lap as a ritual and it wasn't a book. So I can I can do that. And that was about the only planning that went into it. But I... Yeah, Maybe no, getting up early is the key. Mm -hmm. Your rest of the day is crazy. I don't know what time you get up. One more hour, do it. You're a boss. You can handle it. Hmm. You, you're getting enough sleep. So as I say, maybe you're you have your hour a day. There you go. Yeah, guys, definitely, definitely try to take that that time for for yourselves. Um, Richard, I wanna, I do wanna touch a little bit about the company since we haven't at all. Um, tell me how you, uh, got started in, in the, the call center industry and why, why that's the, the business that you decided to go for. Great question. College, I decided to stay. So I worked at his center for four years, not C-level. I learned it from the inside out with retention, customer support, sales, onboarding, human resources, training affiliate management, SEO. And then in my mid thirties, I had impulse control, maturity, and some capital and decided to throw my hat in the ring. Now, what I learned working at my friend's place, because you, you hear things, the gripes, the good and the bad. And I figured if I just treated people a certain way, I might have a shot at it. 
that's in this 300 seat center I'm currently in. I, I was renting a turnkey station at a blended call center, like a glorified internet cafe for X amount per month. Or, so what I would do is I would rent a seat, paid that for about two and a half years till I saved up enough money to rent space. And since call centers have attrition and you can buy used equipment for pennies on a dollar that function, I was able to ramp up a 150 seat call center economically. And I stayed there for six years. And when I had the stable clients and the capital, I decided to purchase and build a 300 seat center. And so it's not the fastest way that your audience was expecting. It's not glamorous. I paid for everything in cash, never overextended myself, made sure that I was exceptionally responsible to take. I mean, I'm still young at heart, but I wanted to play in the big leagues and make some good money. And by doing so, you have to put your name down. And I was willing to take the ball and run with it. And so the way that I was raised in my education at Abington High School, University of Arizona, my family and friends, I thought the odds were in my favor. Hmm. Accountants, attorneys, human resources directors and supervisors, plus a chief technical officer. I'm not an IT specialist. Hmm. And the stars were aligned. I'm in an exceptionally competitive industry. Amazon is here in Costa Rica. And so there is attrition. But I, I also believe that you mentioned earlier people's destinies and being special. I don't think I'm special. I just know that I was willing to die with my boots on and I was going to go for it. And if I was going to put all my chips down, put it on me. I was going to bet on myself because I knew that my Spanish skills and my smile and the stuff we discussed earlier in regards. To and so I'm exceptionally humble, extremely appreciative. And what I see as a business owner is that you have leverage. I don't want to fire people. I want to hire people. And all I want is understanding the labor laws, but come on, you and I have been given second chances before when we've deserved them. Yep. Sometimes when we yep. didn't deserve them, <laughs> but all I know is that I have the ability to pay it forward and to put this very impressionable 24 year old kid on the right path and make sure that I can balance their bikes. So when I let go, Maybe I'm the last boss they ever have. I don't know. But while they're with me, they're going to get better. Mm. And I will, you have my word, I will do everything in my power to make them as successful, self-reliant and self-confident as possible. And just by having, yeah. and I'm just Richie from Northeast Philadelphia. <laughs> you know, I'm just a great kid that likes to have fun. But this is the price that you pay if you want to start a business. And so just be prepared for the forced march. Be prepared to breathe because you judge character during chaos. I'm not going to curse at you, David. I'm going to calm down, slow down, and we'll discuss things. And from an educated point of view, hopefully, we collectively find the right decision to resolve whatever sort of situation that we're in. And so calling clients and not giving them surprises, not being latent, and, and being forthright with people, in my opinion, has given me much stronger foundations. Because if you try to angle, lie, make an excuse, cover it up, 
you're going to get caught. And so just do the right thing. And, and that's how you do good business. Because if anybody expects you to bat a thousand, they're out of their mind. There's no straight lines in nature. They should expect a hiccup every now and again. The question is not what happens to you. It's how you handle it and how you react to it. Yep. And that, that's pretty much how I gauge uh, the clients that we work with. Yes. I like it. I like it a lot. I um, I want to rewind and highlight specifically a couple things that you said, because you mentioned that you bought everything cash and didn't overextend yourself, which I think is a huge not signing up for a new credit card and quitting your job tomorrow and, you know, putting your first couple months of expenses on a credit card and doing something crazy. Don't do any of that. That's a terrible idea. Um, uh, and you also mentioned, you know, finding your A-team and kind of knowing your weaknesses and knowing the the areas that you needed uh, somebody else that was more knowledgeable on and building that coalition of people. Right. And, you know, I those are, I mean, that's two of the best pieces of business advice you can get is, uh, you know, don't overextend yourself and, and build an A-team around you. Uh, but I, you, you went on to mention kind of the, the culture of your company and how you do sales. And I, I could not agree more. Uh, I, I started the like telemarketing and financial sales uh, in the small business finance industry. And in that industry at the time, and honestly still, there's there was so much, you know, cutthroating and, you know, just just adding percentages to things just uh, on the back end or not on the back end, but just like, you know, add add your commission take to it uh, and, and nobody would care. And it was happening so often. And, and, you know, most of the companies around me were making, you know, two to three times as much as I was per deal because they were screwing over their clients. Um, but the also the industry default rate was about 60 percent at the time um, and where you know just most people were not able to pay back these loans because they were sold to them uh, you know viciously and you know it was very similar to like the 08 uh, kind of mortgage crisis but just specific to this industry where you know they were just they're just being given these these default I made my 15 grand off of six phone calls and I'm, I can pat myself on the back with a Rolex on my wrist and there's there was just so much of that in the industry and I very quickly was like, I'm not doing that. Uh, and, you know, I made sure that all of my clients, I would make them give me a return on investment from the loan that they were trying to take out before I would sell it to them. And if they couldn't answer my questions, I would tell them to go talk to somebody else because I'm like, I am not going to have a default on my record. And to this day, I only have one. And it was a deal that somebody else uh, almost closed and then got fired and kind of just plopped in my lap with like signed contracts and everything. And I just had to walk them through the final process. And so I didn't do my typical vetting process. I just, you know, took the sale that got plopped in my lap and that one ended up defaulting before she even made her first payment. Uh, <laughs> one of the worst defaults I've ever had to kind of work out with a lender. Um, but other than that, I personally have zero on my on my record, and I I firmly at customer service and be a genuine person who uh, puts the facts forward and tells it like it is and is honest and decent to their clients. And you will have enough more clients to make up for any any lack of revenue that you're taking off of each individual client. Maybe, but this is what I do know. Mm -hmm. You should never, ever compromise your ethics, values, or morals to make a dollar. 
ever. And if you have the skills, then you have leverage. Your market will be stakes. We're in a very strict Catholic country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to make sure the agents can go home and tell their parents what they do for a living. <laughs> but what you tell me is, is it happens all the time. And Hollywood glamorizes telemarketing and these cold call closes and mm-hmm. sharp salesmen. And they're phenomenal. As I mentioned before, they have the art of speech. They're glib. They're well-rehearsed. They can close. And that's great. I always believe that sometimes things come around. And as much as you might be very successful and people could be envious of the money you have, it's, you know, at the end of the day, if you're doing things right. Mm -hmm. And if it's so important for you to impress people and not act your wage, but act something else, then that's what you want to do. But you're just wearing a mask. That's not fun. I think the most important thing is, as you say, is just to be a true person. And if here's the funny thing, one of the largest accounts, like 70, (laughs) they chose me at my worst conditions. Like at the game of life, I was in my tent and they still gave me the account. Do you know why they gave me account? It wasn't for the bells and the whistles. I had the minimum requirements for the call center. I got it on merit. They knew that Richard was guaranteed. I was going to be there. I was going to take the call, make the call, motivate the people. I'm your virtual. Mm-hmm. And so if you believe that a penthouse suite with gold everything and is going to make a difference with your agents making phone calls, it may aesthetically, they'll be pleasing. Mm-hmm. But I think if you create a certain environment, people could work anywhere and, and crush phones. In fact, you know, referring to Rocky movies, Rocky in Rocky three, he was training in the fancy dancy gym in the beginning and Clubber beat him up mm-hmm. and then a pipes, but it didn't matter. I mean, that's, that's raw. Mm-hmm. That's why some of these clubs in these dive bars are better than the fanciest places in town. They just have oh, history yeah. to them. They have energy to them. So I'm not fooled by shiny objects. I, I think, as I mentioned the word earlier, David, it's depth. I just want to see that someone has real substance to them, not just the worst thing ever is choosing a movie because of the cover and then the movie's terrible. That was the old joke at Blockbuster. You get suckered in on the the cover. Don't get suckered in on the cover. (laughs) You know, you you want to make sure that it's the real thing. That's why you were mentioning Rolexes. I don't have a Rolex. Should I have a Rolex? Do I really need to have a Rolex? To be considered a CEO of my company, I can. <laughs> that's that's where I look at things. Yeah, I think I think Rolexes are overrated anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, if you like them, listen, my yeah. man. If you if you if that really makes you happy, I think you should do it. For an example, I drive the greatest car, a 1992 Volkswagen Cabriolet convertible. I love this car. I'm cruising, listening to my NXS top is down all day long. Mm. When I was mentioning convertible earlier, I don't know what was going through your audience's mind. Were they thinking of Porsches or Ferraris or Lamborghini? I don't know. I'm an owner of a company. I mentioned a convertible. What goes in your mind? In my mind, convertible is an old school 80s car. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of fun. And so 
really, it just depends on who you are, or who you think they want you to be. And you asked me a very good question earlier about making friends. Well, I made friends the authentic way. They liked Richard. Mm -hmm. and, and that worked at a very, very young age, much more fulfilled life. Mm -hmm. And I think people will find them incredibly interesting. Yeah. Being, being true to yourself is, is weirdly, you know, you would think that it would come naturally. You know, you would think that being natural would come naturally, but it just doesn't for most people. And it's uh, it's it's the struggle, but it is uh, genuinely the most the most crucial fight for liberty, in my opinion. And the most like real tangible freedom is when you're actually able to just be yourself and actually be able to do do the things that you want to do. I mean, obviously, there's commitments and there's people and there's other things, but. Uh, when you when you finally get to that that mentality of this is me and this is who I'm going to put forward out into the world and we'll see what we get back, it's I don't know I've I've never seen it go worse than trying to put something out fake, uh you know that that is will always be the worst option. Maybe it's to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes you have to put on a strong face if you are somewhere that could be emotional am i correct yeah and, and sure. you might want to pay respects to somebody or you know if a dinner is not delicious you still are courteous and try to finish your plate so i mean you can't always be honest with somebody right. so i mean there's right. certain there's... times you, you have to be polite but uh, i i think for the most part if you like chocolate ice cream then damn it choose your chocolate mm -hmm. just don't choose vanilla or strawberry and so i think that's why what do they want to do and that's why i mentioned earlier about complimenting somebody's shoes not the average shoe but like if someone wears spats shoes or some woman spends two hours to do some weaves or a beehive hairdo you know they spent time on that mm -hmm. totally compliment things like that and you, you really pinpoint where people put their attention that day and one of the things that I uh, I learned early on, and actually there's a there's a YouTube channel that I used to watch a lot. Uh, it's called uh, Charisma on Command, I believe, is the 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 channel, and they're they're kind of like bite sized little videos. But something that they covered a lot was the the doing those types of things to everyone, not just someone that you were trying to person. Because so many people, you know, they they'll think. You know, they might know what you just said about, you know, well, if, if their hair looks really nice, compliment their hair, but they'll only compliment the like one girl at the bar that they're trying to take home rather than walking to the bar going, hey, man, I love your shirt. Your hair looks great. Those shoes are awesome. And, you know, that's somebody that's definitely going home with someone. You know, they're not they're not even going to really have to work that hard if you're walking in there like that. But there's the, the people that are just going to, like, focus all of their attention on the the one person and, it, and it's awkward and it's weird and it's you can notice that but if you actually just have this positive aura about you and you can actually just be honest and say you know i really like your shirt it's cool like so many people are scared to just you know take the plunge and, and say something to a stranger but it, you'll make their day you'll make your day better and you'll walk down the street just a little bit more confident with your head a little bit higher there's literally no downside to doing it. 
I would also like to explain why they, hmm. you know, or that hair, did that take you at least three, like tattoos, you see something so, with such a design, you go, that's at least seven hours, and it, that was 11 hours, you're like, I know, you know, that's the kind of thing I would say about a tattoo first, that's at least a nine hour one, right? You know, that's because they can at least tell you the time. Mm -hmm. um, follow up questions, right? And it's also like when someone's saying, if you are in danger, instead of saying, hey, help me, hey, guy in the red shirt, hmm. help me. So it, when you're showing more descriptions, it's not just a flimsy, hey, I like your shirt. Well, that's kind of creepy, man. I love that striped shirt. With the buttons there, you ever wear a tie with that? Yeah, from time to time. Yeah, I could see that, man, like a black tie. That's cool. Like that. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit more than just nice shoes. Mm -hmm. You know? <laughs> it's just, it's, um, you get that sort of reaction and then they start talking about it. But to me, since here's the skinny, if you see someone for the first time, anything goes. I'm talking about me seeing you every single day right at work, they want you to notice it because you see them every day and you should be noticing the small little things that they do. As I mentioned, the haircut or the shirt or something a little different. Um, friends remember things about each other and that's nice. Anniversaries or special occasions or, hey man, I see that's your lucky, your lucky coin that you have. I remember when you won that at the casino and um that's interesting when people remember those fine details about out of respect for me if you remember just some random arbitrary detail about me from a previous conversation uh i like i for you said 420 yoga i'm not gonna forget that the rest of my <laughs> life my man i gotta look that up when we get off of this thing uh i actually like a really uh, good example just happened to me this past week. I ran into um, an activist that I've I've been a fan of for for quite some time. Uh, her name is uh, Fa Chan. She's a an Asian American like uh, gun rights activist, and uh, and I met her. I have only met her once in person, and it was a minute and a half conversation, maybe two. Uh, where my girlfriend at the time introduced us. I, we said a couple things, then she got pulled away to go take a picture. Uh, and then I, I took a picture with her and her husband and like in a whole group and then never saw her again. And that was two years ago. I bumped into her again at, a, at the festival that I was at last week. And without me saying anything, A, she remembered, like she recognized me, remembered my name, and remembered the candidate that I used to work for, which I'm pretty sure is the only thing we actually talked about. Uh, like two years removed, somebody that does these types of events every single weekend for for many, many years of her life at this point, and you know, meeting tens of thousands of people a year, could still remember that. I was I was genuinely just kind of blown away. I was like, holy crap. Like, cause I'm I mean, I have the podcast and I'm I'm somewhat popular in, in certain circles. So like her her remembering who I was wasn't super crazy, but remembering a detail of that two year old conversation, I was like, you know, that is something that will always earn a, a big chunk of respect from me. Uh, it's I've I have continued working for people that I've had differences with uh, because of that ty those types of qualities of just being able to be a genuine people person that cares about the people around them. Isn't that a positive reinforcement? Mm -hmm. 
on how people see you with all your awkwardness and quirkiness and all these things that you say. You have somebody that you highly respect that met you years ago for a couple minutes. And you made such an impression that they remembered everything about you. <laughs> so I think that, my friend, is something that you should not paying attention to you or you're making any sort of impression. You're very wrong because they might not have that opportunity in two years to impress you again. But they were give that as you did a very positive lasting. The show has very much been a crazy good thing for for just my my self-esteem. And not that I do this as like a, an ego stroke at all, uh, but True. there have definitely <laughs> been <laughs> there have definitely been times where I was feeling like very, very down on myself, not even just about the show. Sometimes it's about that, but just like life in general. And, uh, you know, I'll get a I'll get a random message like, hey, man, I watched your episode from last week and skills that I has, you know, I used to make music videos with my friends in like middle school and high school. But like, I didn't realize that so many candidates needed video editors. And like, can you hook me up with any candidates? So awesome. And it's like, oh, my God, it's working. It's do it's doing the thing. And, you know, whatever is going on, uh, it's like that's not important anymore. Like, I'm not I'm not down in the dumps anymore. It's uh you know, there, I, and I, I think that, you know, not just social media presences or like a podcast or other things like that, but there, there are a lot of ways to intentionally structure your life to get those positive reinforcements out of it. Uh, whether sure. it is, you know, back to like the going to the gym conversation of, you know, you, man, that's fucking awesome, dude. And, you know, you can structure your life in a way where you actually get that reinforcement and, uh, it's really important. And I think if you, if you are living that just kind of letting life happen to you kind of mentality, you might not have that set up and you'll just kind of keep giving and keep giving and keep putting out and not really have anything bounce back to tell you like, Hey man, you're doing a fucking great job. That's awesome. It might not be right in your face. As I say, it has to happen inside of you. I don't need stroking. Mm -hmm. I don't need a fan club. And I also need buddies at the gym to go work out with me because what happens if they don't go that day? I still got to go. Hmm. So, so I think it's what you mentioned earlier, those first couple months before you see the results, you still continue to do it. That's the best. That's you. <laughs> you're getting all the rewards from that and you're doing all the efforts from that. Hmm. And so I, I think that's, you know, I think a lot of the things we spoke about today are just, it's positive, but it takes work. It's, it's a tough way. The easy way is making excuses and not doubling down and not doing anything about it and mm -hmm. letting time pass. But I think I resolved your missing time. You're going to start getting up a little bit earlier now, David, and enjoying your morning time for your meditation, for your push-ups. Start working out a little bit. You're doing a good job here collectively your your audience really wants to get something out of this and you're producing some very very good content here today that i hope is able to assist in, in any sort of way with your audience yeah i am uh i'm very excited to go back through this one and clip it up into <laughs> into into some things and uh and rewatch parts of it because uh definitely like I said, one of the most captivating guests I've had. Uh, you are, I very much appreciate you coming on. 
before we do wrap up, I want to give you a chance to tell people how they can find you or your company or, you know, find out more things about you. Of course. I have a very large Facebook fan page, about 117,000 local Costa Rica Ticos. Real fast, Costa Rica, we're north of Panama, south of Nicaragua, the only democratic society in Central America. So there's no standing army here. They put all their money back into education. They boast a 95% literacy rate. I mentioned earlier, Amazon is here, such as companies such as Intel, HP, and Oracle. We have a very good infrastructure. Plus, we're known for ecotourism and medical tourism. There's so many expats that live here. But it's a good life. It'll, it'll give your audience a chance to understand the business process outsourcing industry, the craziness of the call centers, the good and the bad and what we do. But uh, I can't thank you enough. I had a great time tonight. I hope I was able to shed some light on the method of my madness and what I do in order to keep me happy on a daily basis. But your audience shouldn't be so hard on themselves. Don't succumb to the negative Nancys and the Debbie Downers. They just love you there. Their N-O means they don't K-N-O-W enough about what you're doing. So take your time to slice and dice and serve them your thoughts enough to where they can digest it. And then you guys can maybe find a happy medium because the best deals are made when everyone leaves something on the table. And the worst thing you want to do, David, is force someone's hand. It only causes resentment. And so if you can find these sort of easy avenues to navigate through this crazy thing we call life, then I think your audience should be exceptionally successful and come visit me in Costa Rica one day. True that. I will uh, I will definitely, uh, Costa Rica is now, uh, it, it already was on my list, but it's uh, it's moved its way up throughout the internalize it all. Go back to the beginning, watch it again, because there was so much in this. Uh, Thank you so much for watching. Uh, come back next week. We've got uh, Joseph Stetter. Uh, and then the following week, James uh, Gearbhard. Uh, we're going to have some very interesting conversations about business. We're actually taking like a whole hiatus on politics. I'm, I'm not having a political guest on for at least like seven weeks. So we're just talking about all sorts of different things that we can do for liberty that isn't politics. So definitely uh, come on back for that. Follow all of the things in the bottom and uh richard thank you so much for coming on this was absolutely fantastic thank you david all right we'll see you guys next week until then keep up the fight